minus three with Dave Damashek. We got the Olympics to talk about, I guess. We should try to talk about what's going down in college football. Big mess is what it looks like to me. Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, all the rest of it. Let's get into it. Welcome to Minus 3, presented by FanDuel. Of course, as always, part of the Extra Points Network. Eddie Spaghetti, as always, along for the ride here after a rough weekend for his New York Yankees against the hated Boston Red Sox. We'll get his thoughts and feelings on that one. Uh, The Pittsburgh Pirates with a positive series out San Francisco way. Pro football is in the air. So, too, is college football, despite, like I say, some uh, question marks about where it's headed in the future. Here to chop it all up with us, our pal from uh, Lemon Pepper Parlay. (laughs) Lemon. Yellow Lemon Pepper Parlay. The great Martin Weiss. What's the poop, fella? At first, I thought you were going to call me a yellow-bellied coward. And I was like, Sheck, is this how we're going to start Monday morning? Lord, I'm noticing mercy. I'm noticing the older I get, I'm having a hard time stringing words together. I think that's part of uh, of being on the, uh, you know, on the back nine, as they say. You know, there's been some things that have been good for me. I've been telling people, you know, I have uh, people said, have you heard the new blank album or whatever? And I'm like, I, I have I'm not like hard and fast refusing to listen to new music but i've also liberated myself from the sense of like what are the, what's what are the new albums coming out and let me know I'll, I'll let them wash over me but i have enough music now saved up on my spotify um existing music that i feel i don't need to add any new music you understand and i think that that is representative a little bit about how everybody's reacting to what's going on in college football right now, or maybe not. Let's f- try and figure this out because where it stands now as we record is Oklahoma and Texas have announced that or have indicated to the Big 12 that they intend to part ways um, in a couple of years fully and move over to the SEC. Texas almost did that about eight or 10 years or so ago, and it probably would have resolved everything. You would have wound up back then with four power conferences, and then that would have lent itself neatly to a four-team playoff. You just put each champion and maybe you have a couple wild cards in there and and put them in for a 16 playoff but now here we are once again texas the, the the thing that always stands out to me by the way with this and we focus on the northeast of uh sports america here and and one thing that we've pointed to it's interesting and and unusual that um you know for the most part the northeast dictates the way things are going to flow in in you know in the sports landscape so often College football doesn't resonate as much in the Northeast as it does everywhere else. So college football is about to, it feels like, slide into being more of where it was 20 years ago, which was much more a Southern sport, a Midwestern sport. And we'll see what happens with uh, with the Pac-12 and how all that resolves itself. Um, but it is sort of, as I say, the uh, the analogy, I guess, is people are always like, ah, the new music. I've, I've gotten to that place and we had uh, some family over uh visiting this weekend and um you know people talk about uh the the new the new music and otherwise and it's like i don't know about uh, i don't i don't need to hear the new music going on and everything else and neither these kids now with their edm and everything i think i've reached the place where like i if you ever pick up an us weekly 
when I was, I really don't <laughs> recognize two thirds of the people in Us Weekly anymore. Like who who's considered pop icons now? It's like I have no idea who that person is. And this is representative. I am the future, fellas. Spaghetti and and Martin Weiss. Understand, I am the future. You're that you're looking at here. Like at some point, you become that pop culture passes you by, and that makes you feel uncomfortable, and you're resistant to change, and people don't like things that, that change. People just want the world to stay the way it is. It really is um, indicative of so many of the stories that you could apply this. What it basically boils down to is so many of the issues in our society beyond sports and and uh, is I don't like things to change. And so I, I wonder if that's why people don't want this college football thing to go down. Is it just going to be different and it's not what we know and like, or is it actually going to ruin college football? Martin Weiss, I'll say you. Uh, it's actually going to ruin college football. Really, what actually ruined college football was the idea, honestly, when they made the four-team playoff. Because they needed to make it, what they should have done was, if they had, if they had made it where all four or five teams got an automatic bid if you won your conference, right? Then it, it makes all those Alabama-Auburn uh, Alabama games, all of those Michigan-Ohio State games, all of those USC, like all those big end-of-the-year end of Iron Bowl, Egg Bowl, whoever bowl, they make them matter that much more because it's all about the conference. I mean, it's all about, yeah, it's all about, it'll all be about your, in your conference. Like in baseball, it's all about winning your division. So you have Yankees and Red Sox rivalries that go back for, because all these regular season games matter so much. Now, like when I was growing up in college and before they had this 14 playoff, every regular season game mattered because especially I grew up in the SEC country. If you lost two of them things, might as well come back next year, right? So, but now you can you can have a two loss team in the playoff, and then they end up, you know, it's just all these different things going on. So I, that's really what messed it up. They need to have I agree with you about the first that. I, because it was distinctive, because it was unique, is what made it great. College football season, it was like wow, there's no other sport that operates like that. As though it was an indictment of college football. I always liked it because, as you say, every chapter, whether it was uh, you know September 19th or October 28th or November 15th, you had to win games or you lost control of your destiny. If you had a zero in the loss column, you had a rightful claim to being relevant come New Year's Day and all hash was settled on New Year's Day and it worked just as well. Ultimately, there were fewer debates. I know there were the same amount of debates on the other side of January 1st as there still are. Like, ah, blank got a raw deal because they got in the final four and they had to play blank and that or the fifth team should have been in there, not the fourth yeah. team. All, the, all those arguments still exist. It didn't resolve anything. Um, but I also, I'm with, the thing that to me, with college football that is that rises above every other sport is the rivalries. And people love the head-to-head and the ongoing hatred, and we'll get to Eddie Spaghetti with the Yankees and Red Sox, obviously compelling stuff there. That's my concern is, are you going to wash away all that stuff? It never, you know, but then again, it's what you're born into and what it's what you're used to. What's a, you can't change this because it's going to ruin things. Often is the reality of that is that's not how it was when I first became interested in in subject X. And so if you change it, I fear what that's going to look like it all. But if you pull back a little bit before any of us were lucid, 
the Dallas Cowboys somehow wound up in the NFC East. That makes no goddamn sense. I look like, well, we, we could have argued against that and been like, that's going to ruin things. There's a tight, nice group of, of Washington, D.C. and New York City and Philadelphia. What the hell does Dallas have to do with any of it? You could have argued against that. Obviously, that's worked out well. On the other hand, and I think a lot of people in the Big 12 would say, Man, from a competitive standpoint, maybe not from an academic or not from the amount of loot that they're bringing into the conference, which is the kind of stuff that makes my head go fuzzy and I really don't give a crap about. I just like talking about good games and good rivalries and who's going to win and all that. Um, But West Virginia in the Big 12 makes no sense. There's no logic to that. And it still seems weird to me that you say, like, West Virginia, Texas Tech, let's get it on. Like, what the hell? Who, who, Who is intrigued by that and I actually think that that's what hurts college football it's the regionality of those matchups sort of like when you guys probably don't even remember major league baseball without interleague play but when you know there was something really cool about something that was unique about that sport was that when the Yankees and Dodgers played in the World Series it was a trip because why how are those two teams playing each other what a trip to see those two teams on the same field it was um a trip to your eyeball to see the royals and cardinals playing one another now it's kind of like ah it's incidental when when you have these interleague games um but college football was even better in that regard because it really developed its style the the idea that the southeast was uh, the southeastern conference played one kind of ball and was built more around speed and the big 10 was built around brawn and the pac 10 was built around slinging the ball around and pro style offenses and um wishbone offense was it was the big eight that was all in southwest uh, conference with texas and oklahoma and nebraska and those teams and then when they would play each other in bowl season to determine who was the best of the best those stylistic differences were everything i think they're those are all gonna go away does that matter to a 20 year old i don't know you're closer to that than i am how say you fellas well i could i could jump in and i'll say that i i think if it just stops at this where just texas and just oklahoma while it does kill the big 12 for sure it's gonna ruin the the big 12 and i don't see how the big 12 will exist without these two schools it will make the sec a lot more fun i think will level the playing field because you have to think what's the best football state you could argue it could be texas but recruits from that state may want to play in the sec obviously no years back like nick saban was thinking about going there why would nick saban want to leave alabama well it's like well because texas is a hotbed it's a football hotbed so you can get any recruiting wants now these guys that are leaving texas the state of texas to go play for georgia to play for florida to play for alabama they're like oh well i could stay at texas my home state and i'm in the sec and i will play these schools and i think and the same for oklahoma and i think that that will make it won't be like oh here we go another year where it's just alabama destroying everybody or maybe georgia could pull it off it's it'll be now more of like bring them back down to earth which is really the only thing that could have helped because there's such a gap between what alabama recruits and what ohio state recruits and what the rest of the country recruits and obviously the ohio state people they're not going to want to come to these southeastern schools they're going to stay up where they are that's why they recruit the midwest and the northern states so i think if it stays like i said if it stays with just texas and oklahoma moving with the sec i think it's going to be okay in that regard what does stink is the big 12 getting you know gutted and then that's when it comes in the other factor which is like if the big 12 truly is gone then what's going to happen next with these like super power conferences is the Big Ten going to join the ACC? 
All right, and then, when, but and like, then when they do that, will it be big enough to then draw Notre Dame in to go back to the ACC and be in this part of this massive conference? And then it's also like, what happens to the rejects in the Big 12? And then it, it, are they just going to join a conference with like USC and Oregon? Because those two schools, they haven't been that great in quite some time. So it, there's a huge disparity from the like the West states versus what's going on now with the Northern states and the Southeastern states. So that is the huge problem. But if it stays just these two schools, I'm okay with it for now. But it's not going to. And Martin Weiss, that like, by the way, we could really call if you get a super conference that, that includes Michigan and Ohio State and I don't know, Penn State, unless Penn State can uh, be lured by the ACC. We'll see how the dominoes all fall there. But well, I mean, on on some level, this would appeal to you like nothing else because you like you like your Michigan teams up there. You're split, you know, emotionally. No, honestly, this doesn't appeal to me. This is patently offensive. Honestly, as Eddie was running it down, and I sat there and I thought about watching like Texas go to Tuscaloosa in November. And I, like I, I have no interest. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm old fashioned. Maybe this is 32 year old Martin who grew up in the SEC country. I don't want to see that. Like I want to see Texas and LSU playing in a bowl game, not or either that or like a specialty like when LSU went up to go play Wisconsin in, in at Soldier Field or like something like that, where it's a one off where man, this is dope. We'll do this again in 2027. But I don't understand why. So I've always kind of equivocated Michigan and Texas as like the same type of schools, right? Where they're, they're, they're talked about much that, more. That the, uh, that the alumni think they're much more relevant and uh, much yeah, scarier yeah, to play exactly. than they, they actually have a are. Much, Is that what you mean? Yeah. No, yeah, yes, like 100%. That. They have a much higher and, and inflated sense of self than the rest of the nation does and should have about them. Why in the world would Texas want to go to the SEC? Because like, just on I, a competitive level, because it'll help them. It'll actually help Texas in the long run. I, I know it sounds crazy, but it will because they won't lose recruits to other SEC schools. A lot of guys leave Texas to go play in those other, you know, those other states. And I think now if they they could stay if they're in the SEC, the the, the recruits would be like, oh, I'm a five star. Yeah, no, I'll stay with Texas. I'll play them. I also think I know I know what you're saying to your point, but I think a large criticism of the playoff has been the emphasis on only the playoff and people kind of like, hey, what used to happen to the really fun regular season games when there was a great game in October? Now if the SEC has an awesome Oklahoma team and it has a an improved Texas team and then you have your you know your typical George as far as Alabama so on and so forth when you have those like mid-October mid-November games like you're saying Texas coming to Tuscaloosa then it's like then it's pretty fun it's fun to see you know Oklahoma play at Auburn and then now there's more of like a reinvigorated uh, regular season we're not as focused down on the on the playoff because obviously now if there's are like you know these super conferences the playoff's going to look a lot different you don't have your typical we've had the same few schools it's been alabama it's been georgia it's been notre dame it's been maybe Oklahoma. it does shake that up maybe yeah. spaghetti's right and i and, and you know what kind of curmudgeon i i hear you completely martin and i i i'm i'm with you we park our cars in the same garage the idea of oregon playing you know auburn in a big game in late october doesn't doesn't sound great to me or like i guess that's not a a good one it's like oregon usc playing michigan in mid-october because that's the other way this goes is that the is that the big tens powerhouse teams they stay relevant without the sec 
by going along with Oregon, USC, UCLA, the the West Coast powerhouses, and then there's a path there. It also, as a side note, I always make fun. Then they're always you you see this in every sport. You know, uh, fans of whatever team they think that they're scarier. Like we're the you know we're the Michigan Wolverines. Don't you know that? Like. Yeah, settle down. That hasn't mattered since at least Jim Harbaugh and, and several years before that. Nobody is scared of doing that. It is weird The Texas, and even more so, Texas A&M are the most, uh, uh, they have the most loot of anybody. It is a weird thing that, I mean, Texas, you know, and, and loves its football and everything, but that they have such outsized influence on what goes down when they both basically are like, yeah, maybe every eight, 10 years that team's good enough and is on the border of maybe making a playoff. But really, um, you know, not uh, the, the results on the field don't equal the the juice that they have in the uh, in the boardrooms deciding where the sport overall is headed. That's why I was like Texas A&M moved to the SEC, what, 10 years ago, 11 years ago? At least 10 years ago now, yeah. yeah. And yeah. since then, they've had Johnny Football, and this year they like sniffed the playoff and that's been that, right? That's been it, right? The rest of the time they've just been uh, just been fodder for everybody else to just go and slam. And every so often they'll challenge Alabama and cover a spread. I don't understand. Like, if I was Texas, I would probably go like Notre Dame because what Notre Dame has done is maintained, no offense, Eddie Spaghetti, but it maintained this aura of being a national, like a big level program without really having to play anybody every year. That's and they true. can kind of be consistent. That is true. And I, Eddie Spaghetti end. wants to argue that it used to be Notre Dame. But it's and not true. I, it, it, you can, I mean, they the, literally have numbers on the strength of schedule and their, their schedule is tough. They used to be every no, year the no. number one strength of schedule team. They used to always you could what whatever else you could say about Notre Dame, you could never accuse them of not facing up with some heavyweight teams. There are literally there are literally numbers, there are literally numbers that, that prove this that, that what you're saying right now is wrong. I'm telling well, you from like recent. I'm not talking about the ACC year last year when they had no. I'm not Clemson either. They, their, their schedule got easier. Because they joined the ACC, than it would have been if they had their own schedule. That's they a fact. play some pretty sorry teams. They, you know, they. I'm, they, I'm just reporting the facts. They like literally okay, had an easier but they schedule became, because of the They ACC. moved into a thing of like we have to remain relevant by spreading our brand all over football USA, and they started playing like Notre Dame's playing. Who? Why would that be the game that they would sign on when you could play anybody you want? That's the team you choose to play. Um. I don't know. But, I, I, I'm my, with to my that point, though, I would just say I would think Notre Dame. I mean, I think Texas and Notre Dame could probably do something like that. Seeing as Texas, they got their own TV network already, right? Like Notre Dame has their own TV network already. They can kind of schedule everybody, and they'll still be and they'll be more relevant in the towards November, December than they are currently. And if I was Oklahoma, I feel like I would be trying to recruit schools to the Big Twelve because I'm already like the skinniest kid at Fed Camp. Right. Like I like I, I I own this thing like I Lincoln Riley. Like it was just, you know, it's like it's like the kind of like the what the Tom Brady and Patriots AFC East deal. It's like I, I go ahead. Sure. I'll keep winning this division. Only have two games to, to go win a Super Bowl. I don't understand why. Like I don't I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't go get an A on this test to just sign up. Go take a harder test. Like I, I already got an A on this. It takes one Oklahoma win over Alabama and in, in, in a big game to then like turn the tide no pun intended and then they start pulling recruits from other states 
to Oklahoma because they're in the SEC. I think that's what Oklahoma thinks they could do. Texas, you're right. I have no idea why Texas is like Texas is full of money. You know, the boosters, very powerful, like they are in the, the a hotbed of a state with tons and tons of five stars and they can't get it done. From their perspective, I don't get it. And as for Notre Dame, I think if the Super Conference happens, they will join. If the According to what USA Today said, if it's a Big Ten ACC merger, I think eventually when push comes to shove, Notre Dame will have to pick a side and that'll probably be the side oh, you they do. choose. Well, that'd be interesting. I, I, you know, I like that I grew up in an age when a lot of relevant teams were independent, in, especially in the Northeast. That model just didn't work. But Penn State, Pitt, Notre Dame, all those and the the military schools up there were all independent. And that made essentially a conference. Those are the teams you played every year. Um, Yeah, I mean, the answer is, you know, it's like I guess it's like any fan who's like, why won't that guy sign with our team? The other team's offering him more money. But why can't he be loyal to our to my favorite team? It's the the answer is it's going to be more money for everybody. I just do wonder that as you sort of create a monopoly in the southeast portion of the country where it's going to leave the rest of college football and where it's going to leave specifically the the Pac-12, which is obviously iconic for any number of reasons and the teams within it. It's going to be very weird. And by the way, the other thing is not to be like Bob Knight used to be about when ESPN would put the Big Ten Monday night game on at uh, like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. He's like, these kids got to go to school the next day. Like, pff, yeah, I'm Come on, Coach Knight. I know you're not actually visiting your players in class to make sure they're there, but uh, spoiler alert, they're not really there. Most of them aren't showing up, but it's the same sort of thing. We don't like uh, the bottom line is we don't want change. We that That's what this is all about, is that we're resistant to change. Maybe it'll be cool to like like uh, kids out there who don't care about the rivalries and everything. Maybe it just sounds cool. I've always been. I don't love it when it's like, what a mid, what a what a great uh, matchup. You have Tom Brady's uh, Patriots going up again, uh, coming out to the West Coast to play um, the Rams. Like, I don't care. That doesn't really make, make that the Super Bowl, if that's a good guy. Those games don't appeal to me nearly as much as the divisional rivalry games when I'm watching NFL. That's, a, that's how I'm wired. So I don't care so much about juicy, whoa, SEC powerhouse against blank in, in, in I'd rather see the conference games because no. that's what's going to result no, I, in, in who is, wins this the This is your Northeastern, your Northeastern upbringing coming out like this is absurd and i don't have a problem with chains i just don't like chains for change's sake why are we just gonna have an earthquake for no reason i don't just like I, I don't like this like I, like that's the thing like when they went to the playoff they announced the playoff thing instead of the bcs i was all in for it they, they just did it wrong that was the problem they just did that one incorrectly so true so true. So that's often, really what it so was. often true. I don't mind. Yes, it's the same thing with lists. I don't care if other people want to want to dip into Damashek territory and try and rank stuff. My issue is how poorly they do it. By the way, quick update as we shift gears here. Summer, the uh, fruit of the year competition is heating up. Um, I had a yellow peach. Uh, I've had a few yellow peaches since last we spoke, and uh, boy. Look out, everybody. They, they've just been terrific. The Envy Apple, I don't know. It doesn't have an offseason now. I don't know what's going on, what uh, what the wizards at the Envy Apple Lab cooked up here. But, man, there's not a down month for that thing. So that's remarkable. And then just before I went to bed last night, late-breaking news, cracked a watermelon, and it was a piece of candy. I mean, it wasn't fruit. It was candy. It was straight up. So 
bottom line, we're in the back half of 2021. The Shecky Awards are fast approaching. They'll be here before you realize it. And uh, look out for those. Martin, best fruit so far in 2021 that's passed your lips? Watermelon. I was going to I was hoping that I was hoping that you ended correctly. Right. But good job. Watermelon. Well, I mean, it's it, it is the thing with me, my relationship with watermelon and it, you know, it, it, it it's a nostalgic one. There was nothing better on a hot Pittsburgh uh, summer day than to get a cold watermelon. By the way, most fruit, I don't get people. I, I don't like a banana, period. So it's you know, it's out of my concern. Um, but like that one, I guess you don't refrigerate. But pretty much every other fruit I refrigerate and people say like, no, no, no. Why are you putting your peach in the fridge? Why the orange? You don't want that. No, like it's always better cold. It's always tastes uh, uh, nice and crisp and and uh, more refreshing, especially in the humid summer months here. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? I've tried, you know, I bought other fruits to, to try to top this one. You know, raspberries, blueberries, watermelon, uh, nectarines, peaches, but it still has not changed. It's still the champagne mango is the best fruit I've ever had in my life. The and champagne mango. It's the best. Fancy. I'm telling you, it is. The, it is the best. The I forgot the actual name of it, but the not your regular mango. There, it's a, it's a smaller, softer mango. It's really easy to pick the skin. I'm gonna wear peeling it. It's not. It's a soft fruit. It's so sweet. It is the best fruit. You don't even need the like the tahini spice like they usually do um, around Los Angeles with the regular mangoes. This one you could eat plain. It is divine. I mean, I, again, any fruit that's like it's really good when you put this on it is like well then it's out of the running you know like that's why uh, regular mango doesn't win it's the champagne mango is is standalone i like eddie's uh champagne mangoes the oklahoma fruit right they they've already won this battle but they're gonna keep on trying they're you're you're trying to find new planes new opponents and they just keep playing them all huh exactly tougher comp tougher comp I see. I'm. I yeah. I'm. I'm more of a regular guy. Champagne mango. Excuse me, Eddie Spaghetti. Fancy pants from Staten Island. The the locals wouldn't recognize you anymore with your exotic uh, well, champagne mango. To that point, it's crazy that I moved out to Los Angeles in 2016. So I forget how old I was, but I, you know, whatever, 20 something. Never even heard of a champagne mango. Never even really had mangoes at all. Then you move out here. It's like a whole new world of fruit. Uh, you know, a quarter of the way through uh, my life, and it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's pretty cool that like I never tasted these things, and now they're just here. I, any grocery store will have hundreds of them. It's it's cool. Oh yes, Eddie Spaghetti, it has arrived once again. Your time to shine. You do it every week. You're the home run whisperer, and thanks to FanDuel Sportsbook, everybody can cash in on your genius here on Five Dollar Dinger Tuesday. You place a $25 wager on any player to hit a home run and get a $5 bonus in site credit for every home run hit in the game. The max on that is $25. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's correct. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. But, of course, we're here to talk about $5 Dinger Tuesdays. Eddie Spaghetti is on a roll unlike... Few you've ever seen, at least. Uh, it, it's uh, it's quite a role. Spaghetti is telling you who's going to hit a home run. The floor is yours, Spaghetti. So I have given out a lot of Yankees picks. And I know Sal's getting on my case. So I want to try to dip my toe into some new waters here. I'm going to stick with the AL East. And we see on Tuesday, the Red Sox are playing the, the Toronto Blue Jays. And Garrett Richards is pitching. And if you listen to this pod, you know that our, our friend Kevin Hench loves to rag on Garrett Richards. Well, there's a guy you may have heard of, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 
who's mm. batting six six seven uh, and nine at bats, and he has had a home run and three RBIs off Garrett Richards. I know it's kind of a chalky pick, but Vlad Jr. is a man, uh, and he is my pick to go yard on this uh, this Tuesday dinger off of Garrett Richards, and hopefully a Blue Jays win. Eddie Spaghetti, he is without a homeland now. He's a band. He turns his back on the Yankees, and now he's going to a new level. He's telling you Vlad Guerrero. Well, I guess that's good, actually, come to think of it. So either way, whoever wins, the Yankees lose, I guess, at this point. So may as well make some money off of it. So go Vlad um, Jr. there. Make some money off of uh, Vlad's home run this Tuesday, and uh, make sure you do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. As always, the word minus the number three on FanDuel Sportsbook. I know you have that going for you. I don't know how much it, it uh, you know, makes the yin and yang of Eddie Spaghetti's summer 2021 feel a little bit more balanced with what the New York Yankees are doing. Go ahead, Eddie Spaghetti. The floor is yours. Talk about it. I mean, I've said it a bunch of times on the show already, uh, and I've texted you and, and Hanch about the worst loss of the season, but that has to be by far the worst loss. I mean, it was uh, they were getting no hit. The Red Sox threw seven innings, somehow rally. And yeah, the Yankees didn't put a 10 spot on them. And he was like, what, four runs? But still, I think uh, Hanch actually told us that the win probability was like 96% or something, and they found a way to, to, to blow it. Um, you know, the trading deadline is approaching in a few days here, recording this. So... I don't know. I keep saying, like, let's just wait for the deadline. Let's see what they do. But at this point, it's like they they may not even have, like, the heart to win. So they don't – there's, like – there's just, you know, teams sometimes without talent. No, no, no. But, like, you, you, got, you guys you guys will agree with this. But, like, you, you know, some, some teams you have, they're not the best teams, the best roster you've had or, or that you're root for. But you have this something about them you could tell, like, oh, they persevere, they win tough games, yada, yada, yada. This team like doesn't have that. There's no spark. There's no real heart to this team. There's no there's no blue collar kind of uh, aspect to them. It's like you know they're 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 they lose frustrating games. They are a little bit bereft of talent compared to other years. And I'm not even sure at this point of training for uh, a, a bat or another pitcher. I know like Severino may come back, but for what? Like I don't know. It's just it may not be th- their year, and it stinks because this is another wasted year. Uh, of their team and now you got to start worrying about contracts for judge another year older for Cole. And um, yeah, so it's not, it's not a good times, but we'll, we'll say that in, in a week, we'll know a lot more about the direction of this team. Should they be sellers? I don't think, I mean, what are you, who are you going to sell? I, I don't want to gut the team. I think if you, the team as constitute is pretty good. I mean, Gary Sanders kind of figured it out. Glaber Torres, you're not going to move. Uh, you have, you know, DJ LeMay, he was going to, you want to keep judge around for as long as possible. Uh, Stan's been fine. Like, I don't know what trading off one of those big names would do. It would just kind of reset this whole, the, the Yankees are built to win now. Right? So I think, you know, they, Tyon's kind of figured it out. Like I said, if Severino comes back and it's fine, that helps, but it's, it's a uh, Kluber as well. I know he's pitching again. Like, so they have like these veterans who are there to win the world series in this calendar year. And if they, they don't, I don't, I don't see why selling off pieces to then try to well, win it again in five years. It's like your, your roster is built to win now. So I think they have to be, uh, try, I'll, Try to be buyers, and if not, then just you know retool and go at it again next year. Eddie Spaghetti, uh, Red Sox plus one hundred to win the AL East. Uh, the Rays right behind them at plus one fifteen. The Yanks now down to plus fourteen hundred to win the division. The ship sailed on that, right? We're fighting for a wild card now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's no way back in the division. Um, Weiss, you uh, going to take the Red Sox here to hold on to the AL East? You guys, uh, you and uh, your pal Rob Parker. Parker loves talking about uh, big league baseball. 
Yeah, that's his that's his ministry. Baseball is not necessarily my go. I will say this, though. After all of what you just said, this is one thing that really puts a craw in my sticks or whatever, whatever the phrase is. It makes me upset. Sticks in your craw. What is your craw? There you go. wonder what your craw is. I always is. assumed that my craw was like this area, like your cheek. Like something like I when I feel like something sticks in my craw, it's like I I, I envision like a like a guy spitting tobacco. It's like that's stuck in his craw. Okay, that makes sense. Because uh, uh, yeah, my brain yeah, it wouldn't be that seems like a very southern uh, kind of phrase, and it wouldn't be crude. Your your craw wouldn't be your buttocks or anything like that, yeah, right? No, no it'd be no, something in your head region. Yeah. So sticks in two your things. Craw. First, check homework for you. Eddie used the word bereft, bereft of talent. There are certain like out. I no big time. I two ten points for vocab for both of you. But there are certain words that are like that don't really belong in sports that we use in sports, like True. stave. And we only use them in like one instance, like bereft of talent, stave off elimination. I, I'm curious. I I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Where we get poised. We're we're po- No one is ever poised to. You never hear people like he's poised to take over the marketing department at the company. Like only <laughs> quarterbacks that are poised, poised to to, to, to rule the league this year. You know. And the other one is spaghetti in your in your uh, in your soliloquy about the Yankees. You mentioned this one thing that drives me absolutely insane about modern day sports and you analytic nerds who wear glasses and do math that I could have never done. Win probability. Win probability. It's made up. It's not real. It, how can what is win probability matter if there's any time left on the clock? And there's an opportunity, like I understand, like perhaps in basketball, right? You have 20 seconds left in the game. You're down by 28. You're probably going to win that game. But like if you're in the seventh inning of a baseball game, what does the win probability have to do with anything? Of course, a team with more runs is going to have a higher win probability than the team without more runs or the team that's being no hit up until the seventh inning. Well, guess what happens? And then they get hits. They score runs. And then their win probability changes. Why? Because the game's not over. So people always throw out like, oh, this team had a 95% win probability with six and a half minutes left. Well, it's a good thing there were six and a half minutes left in the game so the other team could come back and win. I just hate it. And, and they use it to make guys like you, Spaghetti, feel bad because I mean, you're sitting there and you're looking at it. It's like, man, we should have won this game. There's no way we should have How did we lose? How did we it, lose? Well, the it's a, it, it's a stat made games. up. It's a stat made, it's up, to made make, up to make fans more sad about crushing losses like that. Like when you're like, oh, nearly 100%, watch this. And then like an inning later, you lose. And then, yeah, that's exactly what it's for. Yeah. You know, well, New Orleans Saints have like a 99.7 win probability driving down the field in the NFC champ- or, uh, in the NFC playoffs until Tommy Lee Lewis gets hit upside the head by Nikhil Roby Coleman, something that nobody could have. You know, who would have seen that coming? Where was that in your win probability projections, ESPN stats and info? No, get your win probability the hell out of here. It's not real. It's made up. Poor Eddie Spaghetti. He's bereft of answers here. He's poised to weep. <laughs> Now his uh, his one of his favorite blue shirt Rangers gets traded away. Pavel Buchnevich is uh, is gone now. We'll see what happens there. Let's wrap it up though with a couple of uh, of quick hitters here. Um, I have a I want to talk about Team USA losing to France to France and the rationalization. What their win probability was with well, like, two minutes like left the, in the fourth quarter. I like a lot of one. people. I like everybody. Like. Pfft, 
I guess you don't know much about Team France if you're surprised by this result. Like, uh, you ain't paying attention if you don't know that France might win the whole thing. Like, Kevin Durant is on Team USA. Dame Lillard is on Team USA. That's the end of the story. Like, there are two players on Team USA that are better by a lot than anybody else in the tournament. Inexcusable for this to happen, right? To that point, can we stop with the whole these it's it's I don't know where what the correct adjective is for, but it's it can't be right. They, they talk about, you know, the French team. They just lock in the gym for 365 days of the year and just to get ready to play the American so you know, the Argentinian right. team. Like, no, aren't they, aren't they more? <laughs> no, well, right. I Rudy Gobert, Gobert more hindered by <laughs> yes. gelling with his Frenchman teammates when he's when, when, when he's in the U.S. Isn't that more difficult? Isn't the standard, in fact, even worse for every NBA star who has to go back to another country to a completely different time zone to a different uh, piece of soil on the big blue marble i'm with you completely when that's the excuse we it's like well no and hold like team france they play differently they play team ball like what no when are they like, together Nick Batum. <laughs> i watched nick Batum playing for the clippers rudy gobert playing for the jazz and there was another french player that i can't remember right now who also was in the nba playoffs you watch argentina Composo, the little guard was playing for denver these guys were all in the NBA playoffs. They were all playing for different places. No, the they don't just have like this secret French playbook that they just, you know, sacre bleu, let's run that play and it's over with. No, that's not how it goes. They're just going, the U.S. is just going out and getting beat. But is it the opposite of the Kurt Rambis, Rick Fox paradox theory that I that I have, which is that certain guys, if you can reduce them to, and Dennis Rodman kind of is maybe the, the greatest example of this, but there are certain guys that, like Kurt Rambis is the funniest one, so he's the one I go to, like with his long yellow hair and his uh, horn rim glasses playing alongside Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was ridiculous, except that Kurt Rambis was willing to do the, uh, the so-called and much-celebrated dirty work. People love the guy who's willing to do the dirty work. But if you play one-dimensional ball, you can be a contributor to a superstar lineup but if you put Kurt Rambis on the worst team in the league he would have a hard time getting any minutes because he has he he has no contribution to a bum team but can make a single contribution to a great team conversely is a guy like Fournier is it like all right he's not good enough to get steady minutes on a team that has Jason Tatum but if you liberate him from that in one game or in a couple of games, he's a good enough basketball player that if you give him a, a a ton of volume that he doesn't generally have, that he might pay off. Not not gonna do it for fifty games, but he could do it for like he could have a hot hand for two games, like uh, anybody else in you know in a sport who just you know where where, where um, you know getting in a streak, getting in a rhythm can benefit your team in the short term. Is that this? Is that the answer to why France would be able to beat? Team USA that Fournier has a chip on his shoulder. I'll show you. You should be playing me more. First, that was that was the French guy I couldn't remember, which is hilarious because he was on the same team as Jason Tatum and just went and beat him. But I've not that I ever played basketball at a high enough level where anybody was considering me for anything important. But the people who I've talked to who have say, oftentimes you're allowed. I like that you squeeze that in as though that was part of the conversation, like. 
Martin Weiss, I mean, when when you were borderline headed to the NBA, nobody suggested you were. So I don't know why you well, worked no, but that I, in. But, but, but okay. But, Shaq, uh, because well, I'm over here talking to you, Mr. Self-Proclaimed, I can throw an NFL touchdown pass, and I just want to make sure that the rest I of could. the listening audience knows. I could, that's right. I didn't say I could be, I didn't I say I could be, a, I didn't say I could be an NFL starting quarterback for 16 games or even for one game. I said I could do it one time. It's exactly what I said. Now go ahead. Right, I, I I do not I do not follow that same uh, on a I'm, I'm play. Not, I'm I can do that it. belief. <laughs> no, right, but proceed. With guys are allowed to go off. So like guys are allowed to go off. Like Evan Fournier is not allowed to take the twenty right, shots he may need to get to get to forty in an NBA game where Jason Tatum is all the money and all of that. Damian Little says something about it too. These guys are entirely different when they're playing for their home countries. It's a different pecking order. Like I was watching Luis Scola. Last night, go off. Luis Scola of Houston Rockets fame. But he's still Luis Scola, and that can't win out over the course of a full game. It's the same. It really is the same thing. It's like, okay, if you have a decent whip, you might be able to throw one touchdown pass to an NFL wide receiver. What you're not going to be able to do is win a game doing that. How is it possible that the the guys that they're throwing out there have enough to overcome this team, uh, this U.S. team? It makes no sense. It's disgraceful. And what's done is done now. I told you in 92, you shouldn't ever send a dream team back. You sent the message once. It was delivered. Everybody got it. We're all the little brother of the U.S. They can whip us whenever they want to. And they had to push it. There was no there was no benefit <laughs> to continuing it after the one time. The one time you got the message. Don't forget it or we'll do it to you again and let that loom. Instead, we did, went down this path and now uh, Team USA is mortal. USA in general now feels more mortal, uh, more mortal and uh, we're worse for it. How many top... U.S. born players are missing from the roster. It was like what LeBron, uh, what ADs miss. Oh, like yeah. my point is, like I don't think that other countries are like wow, U.S. is not good anymore. I think it's a matter of like there are some guys missing. Uh, Martin, to your point, like a lot of guys are just playing. Uh, you know, there are U.S. guys that were just playing in the playoffs too. I think Pop as a coach may not be. I mean, he's just clearly not as good as what Coach K was doing for the Team USA. And then I think it's also, and this is maybe a cop out, but I don't think some of these guys care. I don't think some of them care as much. I think then what are they doing there? Why are I they there? I don't know. I don't know. They, they went and then they grow. Oh, this is probably a mistake. It's like they got to do the COVID protocols out there. They're in a different time zone. Like they want to be in their off season. They want to be relaxing. Like a lot of these, these well, NBA they don't want are, to be. They're Obviously, they're stars. doing this. They don't want to be. I don't think they want to. Like, I personally don't think Devin Booker wants to be there. I think like literally <laughs> I think if we ask him, I, I, I think like like you have a ticket to leave right now and just like forget this ever happened. You can go hang out on the beach, hang out with, you know, some models and have a couple drinks and kick back and enjoy your off season before you got to start up again. He'd be like, yeah, let's do that. I don't want to be here anymore. I, I, well, I mean, just, I'd be I, I'd be I, I mean, as I said uh, previously here. Bucks fans enjoy having a title. The goal is not always how many can we gather. You do not have to get into this trophy race with these other teams and feel like what's next for the Bucks. You got what you you have coming to you. Enjoy it for the next 25 years because that's probably the next time you get a real shot at a title. I'd be mad if I were a Bucks fan. I'd be more upset to your point, Spaghetti, if I were a Suns fan. Like, hey, Devin Booker, next season starts soon. What are you doing over there? Hey, Drew Holiday. Get, get the hell out of there. Like, get back to Milwaukee and celebrate with us or do whatever the hell you want to do. What do you... That This really injures their chances of winning. I mean, that is 
you can kind of follow through. LeBron's greatness, the thing that hasn't been celebrated properly among everything else and like the on the never ending LeBron versus Jordan thing is that LeBron went deep every year in the playoffs and then had a short turnaround to start the next season. And this, you know, uh, you know, managing minutes and everything else in the regular season maybe makes up for that, but it still isn't celebrated enough that that's what LeBron was going through every year. That is, um, you know, has generally for players has diminishing returns. And so because LeBron had, was able to like maybe Drew Holiday thinks like, ah, this won't be so bad. You, you don't need those minutes right now, Devin Booker. You know, you don't need international play. And now your name is associated with the shame of losing to France. You lost to France. for They even had better red, white, and blue uniforms than we had. They won. They, their, their victory was thorough. I want to throw out a, a bet here to, to, you know, start wrapping this up. But Iran plus 41, I'm going to take that. Uh, for next game was a Wednesday night, I think, or Wednesday sometime. You Team USA versus Iran. I'm going to take the Iran plus 41. The right I, now, this the, is a new low spaghetti. You're going to bet on Iran. I don't think Team 41. USA. Team USA is not going to win by 41 points. They just don't have the drive. They don't have the effort. They'll win by like 30. Um, and be like, all right, we're fine. I, spaghetti. I don't know, buddy. <laughs> I don't like. Look, 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 look. Okay, so here's the thing. If you look at the Nigerian team, all right, let's look at who they lost to. They, they lost the Nigerian team, okay? There's some NBA guys on that team. You got sure. a couple different guys, and Mike Brown was the coach. You look at the Argentinian team. There are a couple different NBA guys on that team, a team with some international pedigree. You look yeah. at the French team. We just listed off all of these NBA players on the French team, right, and the international pedigree. I get Slovenia I, has Luca. I, I, I know I, what you're I, saying. I, there's two rows. Iran, Iran don't got none of that though. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But there's two rows. There's, there's a Iran, a, well, they also there's do two stuff rows. like Team USA can either be it? very, very angry and come out pissed and win a game by a thousand points to be like, we're we're here, or they could be the route that I think they're gonna go, which is why are we here? I don't want to be here. I don't really care enough about this. We'll win this game by thirty, and we'll be and Popovich will pull everyone, and you know, we'll, that's what's gonna happen. I mean, I don't know that. But what kind of patriot are you? You're going to bet against Team USA. That's that's a bridge too. They far. just lost to France. They have no heart. Hey. Well, so what? So so you have to bet against. You're going to you're going to profit against America. They're going to win. Fanatics.com/slash minus three. Iran plus forty one. That's the that is the true American way to make a dollar by any means necessary. If you have to short your own country to do it, by damn it, you do it. You know what? You know what? I've resisted this. I've spoken at great length to Kevin Hench, to Sal, to Simmons about how disgraceful it is that they all get together and they put their heads together and they bet against their own teams. I think it's I think it's shameful. I think it's time to send a message. I'm with you, Eddie Spaghetti. Join us now. <laughs> Iran plus 41. We have to send a message to these fat cats in, in Washington and in the NBA front offices. This is this is unacceptable. We cannot continue to go down this path where I, I didn't think it could get worse than not winning gold. But now it's become so common. That's the new low. The new form of hell for an American basketball fan is, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty uh, regular that we're going to lose to a team that, that that you look at the rosters and say, how the hell did we lose that game? And we're in this weird 
purgatory of uh, like Eddie Spaghetti making excuses like, well, LeBron didn't go. So like, it's like, they're still NBA stars. The whole roster is NBA stars. This is not acceptable to lose like this. This is what it's not exactly regular for team USA to be losing basketball games, seeing as these are the first ones that they've lost in like the last 25 years. What was that team? What was that year? What was the Lamar Odom year where they lost a bunch of, what was it? How long ago was that? Was it like, Oh, it wasn't 20 years. I didn't say win gold. I'm talking about lose. They shouldn't lose ever. They should never lose again. Is my, that's the standard. And it might seem tall until you look at the U.S.'s roster and you identify for me how many guys on any other team in the, in, in the world, you know, that's the measure. There should not be, uh, there should, what was the, it's not Ryder Cup. Or maybe it is Ryder Cup. I don't know the rules of Ryder Cup. Ryder Cup is all Euros. Is that right? Or is that the whole world? Euros versus the United States. The the tournament should be U.S. versus the world. That would be something like, okay, maybe maybe the the world will have a shot. There's no excuse for any nation defeating the United States of America in basketball. And now I think the other solution is... Now we have to get football in because that we would definitely win that for at least the next 40 years. Right. We got to get football. It's the only answer. This is a disgrace. This is a shame. And I I came here for a nice summertime. I came here for a nice summertime chat. And instead, we we are sad about college football. We're sad. Well, I'm not. But Eddie Spaghetti sad about his New York Yankees. And now we're all sad about the the state of American basketball. Well done, fellas. Martin Weiss, make sure you're checking him out on yellow pepper. <laughs> Why do I keep calling it yellow? Because Lem- uh, a lemon is yellow. You got to give me it. <laughs> lemon. Yeah, lemon is yellow. The the album you know, art, another one or the cover art about. is yellow. I don't know if you, well, we're, we're, uh, we're, we'll, we'll, next time we got to figure this out. Why lemon pepper wings? Why are those better to They're you good. and derive? They're good. We can debate wing flavors at a later date, but for now, Martin Weiss, dynamite stuff, Eddie Spaghetti, great stuff. And you know what? You convinced me. Call me, I don't know, a traitor or whatever. I think right is right. And if Greg Popovich and and, uh, those guys over there can lose to France, then we can bet against them when they play Iran. The only question I have is, remember when Chris Kamen, inexplicably played for Germany? Does Iran have anybody like that that just is randomly on their team? They no, don't have anybody. No. So like, yeah. I'm taking, I'm, taking, I'm officially Russell going Westbrook USA minus 41. Okay. You're taking the U.S. Look I'm at taking you, the home team. Okay. Home team. All right. Interesting. We'll see how all that plays out. Make sure you bet it at FanDuel.com. Slash minus three. It's the word minus the number three, and we'll kibitz with you later on. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>